Mars, Wharf, Ship. Human movement had stopped. No one cared to disturb that silent, attentive gathering of beasts. Hands shaking, the prince returned the glass and made the sign against evil on his own chest. You know what it is? I've never seen. Wait, could it be? Kadar frowned. There's a girl coming with the Tortolans. It's said she has a magic bond with animals, that she can even take on animal shape. That's nothing new. There's mages that do it all the time. Not like this one, apparently. And she heals animals. They heard my uncle's birds are ill. The world knows them birds are ill. He can lose a battalion of soldiers in the Yamani Isles and never twitch. But the gods help us if one of his precious birds is off its feed. Kedar grimaced. True. Anyway, as a goodwill gesture, King Jonathan has sent this girl to heal Uncle's birds, if she can. And the university folk want to meet her dragon. Dragon? How old is this lass, anyway? Fifteen. That's why I'm out here broiling, instead of my uncle's ministers. He wants me to squire her about when she isn't healing birds or talking to scholars. She'll probably want to visit all the tourist places and gawp at the sights. And Mithros only knows what her table manners are like. She's some commoner from the far north, it said. I'll be lucky if she knows which fork to use. Oh, that won't be a problem, said the captain, straight-faced. I understand these northerners eat with their hands. So nice to have friends aboard. The captain surveyed the docks through his glass. A power over animals and a dragon. If I was you, Highness, I'd dust off my map of the tourist places and let her eat any way she wants. At that moment, the girl they discussed inched over as far on the bunk as she could to give the man beside her a bit more room. The dragon in her lap squeaked in protest, but wound her small body into a tighter ball. The man they were making room for, the mage known as Numer Salmaline, saw their efforts and smiled. Thank you, Dane. And you, kitten. It's only for a bit, the girl, Dane, said encouragingly. If we don't wrap this up soon, I will be only a bit, complained the red-headed woman on Numer's other side. Alana the lioness, the king's champion, was used to larger meeting places. At last, every member of the Tortolan delegation was crammed into the small shipboard cabin. Magical fire, a sign of shields meant to keep anything said in that room from being overheard, filled the corners and framed the door and portholes. No one can listen to us, magically or physically? asked Duke Gareth of Naxon, head of the delegation. A tall, thin, older man, he sat on the room's only chair, hands crossed over his cane. The mages there nodded. It's as safe as our power can make it, Your Grace, replied Numair. Duke Gareth smiled. Then we are safe indeed. Looking in turn at everyone, from his son, Gareth the Younger, to Lord Martin of Meron, and from Dane to the clerks, he said, Let me remind all of you, one last time, be very careful regarding your actions while we are here. Do nothing to jeopardize our mission. The Emperor is willing to make peace, 
but that peace is in no manner secure. If negotiations fall through due to an error on our parts, the other eastern lands will not support us. We will be on our own, and Karthak will be on us. We need this peace. We cannot match the imperial armies and navy any more than we can match imperial wealth. In a fight on Tortalan soil, we might prevail. But war of any kind would be long and costly in terms of lives and in terms of our resources. Alana frowned. Do we have to bow and scrape and tug our forelocks then, sir? We don't want to seem weak to these southerners, do we? The duke shook his head. No, but neither should we take risks, particularly not you. The champion, whose temper was famous, blushed crimson and held her tongue.